Today uh, we're going to talk about two subjects. Uh, we're going first to talk about requirements engineering, then we'll have a short break, and then we'll talk about analysis. So, let's start with uh, requirements engineering. So, please, you help me out here. What do you think is meant by a requirement? When we talk about software development, what is a requirement? How would you define that? Yeah. Client, like a client server. <laughs> it's, it's, it's something to do with the client. So please help me out for the right client or the user. What is the requirement? On the right side. Any other opinions about what the requirement is? Yeah. The requirement is missing. Okay, so a requirement, let's turn it the other way around. A requirement is something that must be, that says something about what must be, or should be, or we would like to have seen. So one way of doing what a requirement is a statement about the system that says something about what the system should be. So it says something, a statement about the system, it says what. Now, the important distinction that at least we try to do in theory in software engineering uh, between requirements and design is that we try to make requirement statements that say what. Not how, that would be design. So they would be statements about what the system should do. Typically, uh, if we talk about functional requirements, that say what features, what functions should the system have, and then we also talk about non-functional requirements, like security, performance, scalability, and so on, that are not directly functional, uh, related to features the system has, but about how to uh, do that. So, requirements engineering, it's the activity that we do in software engineering that is related to finding out what we should build. What is the software system that we should build? What are the features it should have? What are the so-called non-functional requirements? The requirements for other, for so-called quality attributes. So it's a very simple question. What should the system do? What is the system we should build? Now, finding that out, in many cases, is not that easy. Why do you think requirements engineering, by the way, can be difficult? What can be the problem doing requirements? We mentioned a lot of them. Yeah. I don't know. But the client, the client is unable at least to say the requirements at the beginning of the problem. Any other problems? The requirements keep changing. Okay, so they can be requirements changes can be used in several ways. One of which you mentioned, which is, for example, changes to the technological environment, to the client environment, whatever. It can also be due to the fact that we had here previously that client doesn't know what you want to expect something, which turns out that it wasn't actually at all 
what we wanted, when we showed it. But, so we have various sources for requirements to change. And what else? Very much related, one of the basic problems for the client test. This is because customers' clients are often unable to uh, make good requirements. So we need to typically, the way we work around that is by prototyping certain aspects of it. But now let's take a more uh, normal look at the various stages we try to do in requirements engineering, and I'm going to show you very briefly uh, some of the methods uh, that we do. During this first part of the course, uh, we will not, you will not become experts at modeling or doing requirements, but you will know what our activities are involved in that, what kind of models you could develop. Uh, we'll get some more information during the second part of the course, and then if you decide to study software engineering, we will have different courses, different stages, different activities that we need to do in software engineering. Then you will get a more uh, practical uh, feel for what is involved. But the way we often try to understand the activities we do in software engineering is by uh, defining a set of process stages. So requirements engineering, which is the whole activity that deals with finding out the requirements and keeping them up to date and dealing with the same requirements, uh, is typically called requirements. Uh, one, one way of viewing what, what the different things we need to do related to requirements are the activities of which uh, is to do it as a process of first inception, where we start to understand the big problem about the system, figure out at a very, very high level what we should do. Then we have elicitation, which is the process in which we really find out the requirements. Then we have elaboration, in which we go further in detail. And that is when we typically start creating analysis models that we will talk about today also to really model and try to get a more better, deeper understanding of the requirements. And as you remember, we talked about this in last lecture, what we try to do is to depict the system from uh, typically three points of view. We try to identify the data. What, what is the data that we need to deal with? Uh, what is the functions that we need in the system? And what are the behavioral requirements? How should the system behave under certain and a very important part also is negotiation. One thing that we didn't mention when we talked about problems and requirements. That typically, for any larger system, have several different users. And their needs and wants might be conflicting to uh, negotiate about the requirements. So agree upon a system or a set of requirements uh, that is realistic both from a development point of view and from a customer. An example of of of, of conflicting uh, requirements. Just to take a technical example, must be that some customers might have extremely high performance, but still they don't pay much for it. And doing after a certain threshold, for example, giving higher performance becomes very difficult, and your solution would be very expensive. So then we we would negotiate if we do. We don't meet all the your requirements for perfect performance, which still you'll pay that will cost you a third of really getting at the 
have perfect performance. So we typically end up negotiating both about technical cost and feature functional and non-functional requirements. Now, what happens to requirements? Well, the traditional view in software engineering is that we write something that is called requirement specification. So, very, very traditional view is that it's a piece of paper that nobody reads or nobody understands, but the client buys off, and then we're all happy. Now, in practice, it can be a written document, it's often. Uh, it can also typically include a set of models that we develop. Some of you might already have worked with use cases. How many of you know use cases? So, again, very good. We're going to talk a bit more about that today. Uh, it can also be a formal model, mathematically formal model. There are several mathematical specification languages that we can use to very precisely define the requirements. Of course, developing those formal requirement models is very difficult and very time consuming. Very often it's a collection of use cases, uh, or if we use agile development, extreme programming, whatever, we often talk about uh, user stores. But something that the user wants to do, wants to be able And we can also, as you remember, develop a prototype to check the requirements. And requirements engineering is the process of developing all these models and keeping them up to date. And if you think back to, we talked about the waterfall model, about iterative models, about the agile models. Ah, if you do requirements in the waterfall models, you will do the, all the requirements in perfect detail at the beginning of the project. In an incremental model, you would do a high-level requirement at the outset, then for each situation, you would go into detail and specify those requirements uh, that you have. Uh, that iteration, that your development, you might do that even in a, even at an even faster finish. However, in order to be able to plan a whole project, you could need at least a high level uh, requirement. Some understanding of the whole set of requirements. Uh, you know, in addition to planning the project, uh, or related to that, from a technical point of view, why do or, or software development technical point? Why do you think it's important to have good understanding, at least at a high level, from most of the requirements, beginning of the project before starting? Why? We have the basic problem of agile. Unless you have some at a high level an understanding of both the functional requirements, what are the features that you need? And the non-functional requirements. Then it's very difficult to do a good architecture. And a good architecture is critical for getting useful in software, but also for being able to add uh, other features. So let's say you meet a critical performance requirement that requires you to redo the whole architecture. That's going to be extremely expensive. So it's very important to have a high-level vision, high-level view of the requirement, regardless of your uh, software lifecycle. At the start, you need to work fast. 
there. But we also need to do validation. Now validation is checking, did we find the right requirement? And how do we validate the requirement? Now, we do that by reviewing the models. That is reading through, talking through them with developers, with the users, clients, different stakeholders. And we do that to find errors in content. Are we understood things in the wrong way? Or can they be interpreted in many ways? Areas in which things are still unclear, missing information, inconsistencies, conflicts, uh, uh, or unrealistic requirements, uh, we always need to think about dealing with Requirements management, then finally here, uh, that is the activity of keeping the specification up to date. That is ongoing activity of dealing with the whole requirement specification. But let's look, let's look at the different stages in requirements. First thing we need to do is to get the really, really high level of what should we do in requirements in here. The first thing we need to do is to identify the stakeholders. Stakeholders, okay? So we need to find the different people we need to talk to. Can you think of typical stakeholders in the software development project? What, what would these be? Okay. Now, so, now let's do the friend thing again. Try to find a friend and figure out at least three stakeholders. A friend is somebody who is sitting close to you. And if you are not sitting close to anyone, reconsider your seating arrangement. <laughs> That's okay. Hello, how are you doing? Okay, could you please mention, can you hear me, everyone? Okay, good. Could you please mention a few stakeholders to a typical software development project? Okay. Uh, one is uh, the client, our clients, and uh, another we mentioned is your boss, and then the coders who implement the system. Okay, so we have the implementers, the people who implement the system. We have the client. I think we could open up the client. Does anyone have something to add to the client perspective? Well, what about you here? Hello? Uh, I don't know. Okay. Uh, anyone? Ah, yes, there we have somebody. Okay. 
I think the users, the one that I'm going to use the code. Yes, users are very important. If we, in particular, if we develop software for large organizations, the science, which might be the people paid, might be entirely different than the people who are going to use it. And then we can have several different kinds of users. We must have administrators. We must have some people who work with the system uh, on a full-time basis. And we might have sporadic users, which might use different parts of the system and in different roles. So it's very important that we find out who the different kinds of users, the user groups are, to get their view. Then we have the clients. Often the clients, uh, in particular if we are talking about legal decisions, they are interested in project management, they are interested in quality assurance, they are interested in price. They are totally uninterested in things like experience. The users, on the other hand, are extremely keen on getting a system that really uh, helps them if they want to do it. We have lots and lots of examples in different fields that start with healthcare, for example, in systems that are made by big vendors that are very, very close to unused from, for example, doctors and nurses' perspectives. But the doctors and nurses haven't been involved in developing the system or in making decisions about which system to buy. They just end up using it. So uh, this is a very important that we need to use it, not only the site. Because of course you, the users, are compliant. Then we had a very good point. We need to include the developers to develop the competition. Because why would we, by the way, use the development uh, in the requirements? Yeah. Okay, they might help us with feasibility, understanding the feasibility of certain clients. What else? I think the development organization has cost of time, so they might have at least constraints from the project point of view. Yeah. What else? Well, there are certain things that the development organization that are related to projects. And typically, they would be uh, often non-functional requirements, like maintainability. So we make a system that they are going to make, be able to maintain in future. So internal quality organization development. And also, then later, technical requirements. Uh, the traditional view in software has been very, very strict to separate uh, the requirements from the design. So, essentially, you couldn't have a requirement saying that people need to develop Windows or In most cases, we end up uh, ending all the design, design requirements. Uh, in this case, though we should try to avoid it as long as possible. The idea is to first understand what to do, and then start thinking about how to what are Very often it's a bit difficult to clinically separate. 
But the first thing we need to do that is to identify the stakeholders. Who are the people we should talk And you can always ask somebody who else to that one to get a good understanding of the system we should build. And it's very important to understand that we have moved points of view. So different people might have different requirements that even might be We should work towards collaboration. And very important things are very that we should have related to each requirement, each statement related to what the system is. Who is behind this? Who owns the requirement? Who says that this is not Who will use it? Which, who do, which users, whatever, really care about this? What is the economic benefit? What is the benefit of doing uh, this? And is there another source? Can we buy it? The whole thing, or do we really need to sell it, or are the good ideas? Then we go after insects. We go with the source people. Now we really start to dig out of people's minds what they think that the system should do. And then we do, we have elicitation meetings with software engineers and customers. Uh, there are various methods and sets of questions and models that you get. Questions you can ask and models you can develop for these. Uh, it's a good idea to be well prepared and have a facilitator. And then you have some kind of definition mechanism, some tools. But the goal here, regardless of how you do it, is to understand from the users or the stakeholders what the problem is that you're trying to solve and why it should be solved and how it should be solved. To, uh, but in particular, what is the system. And what you should get out of the organization is a statement of need and feasibility. So what should be, what is need for uh, the whole system and for the features? And you should, you should get out some feel for the feasibility. That is, that is why we need the technical. Uh, a very important thing for any software project, we have mentioned the We should have a list of customers, users, and stakeholders, a description typically of the technical environment that the system needs to work in. We have a list of requirements, set of typical user scenarios that explains what the user should uh, uh, be able to do. Now, anyone here to tell me what I know that most of
For you, you might have heard about use cases all your lives, but before they came, uh, uh, and somebody came up with them, yes? What, what happened was that those systems were developed based from technical points of view. So you would have a system with a database, underlying database. Then you might have one screen for each table of the database, so it would be easy to update that table. Uh, let's say that one good example would be, let's say, that access control system or the university had used certain services. So then you would have one table in database user. Then you have one screen at user. Uh, then you would go to the next system at a card. And then you would go to the third screen link, the user to the card. Then you would go to the fourth screen to add locations. And whatever convenient screen to be able to give one new person access to certain skills. When a use kit would say that, the typical thing that users would do with an access control system is how do you use them to give them certain locations? How do we design the system to use it to the system? Then we would be able to see one screen as a user uh, enter a card number and link to certain locations. So it would be a totally different design from the user's point. Just because we started not with technical things, users being tabled, Access card, being table, link between them, locations, table with the rules and link users to parts of locations, use to the event. This is what all those database tools that you use, you find access whatever, you get a easy way of getting uh, one screen for one table. That is typically a good way of making exchange points, but it's an efficient way of so the idea with the use case that you don't start with the case, you need to understand the data, but you start with the question, what should be able to do? That is the then you end up much more. So the whole idea of this very strong why the users now is the use cases are so important because they, they end up with much more users when they take the users and the things they need to do at the starting not the uh, technical model of the world that we typically start with as good engineers okay uh, finally we have typically we end up developed let me fix the spelling mistake here because otherwise we'll have it next year too. Is that not? Okay. And as we have mentioned much before, we often end up here also developing some kind of prototype. Typically of the user interface to be able to get feedback from the but also often uh, Technical prototypes to understand if we find some requirements that are technically difficult, 
we may not need to produce up the architecture or some physical process. We might be able, we might start to do that already during the requirements stage. And then when we have the list of the requirements are actually during, during some research, we collect these goals responsibilities analysis models. And we typically start with the scenario, use case, these five elements, that describe the functions and the descriptions of typical things that uh, typical interactions between the actor which is typical user and the system. Then we typically start also to uh, identify classes if we do object-oriented design uh, that are implied by the scenarios. We start to understand modeling the behavior using state diagrams or more typical charts. And we also uh, start modeling the data. Now here is a use case area that is familiar with a bit more about it about analysis. But you can see here uh, very, very simple simple uh, formalism. You can see actors, those are those are the uh, let's see if this works here now. No. Okay. Okay, I so what you can see, the, the people there to the left, uh, we have actors, we have here a home owner and a system administrator. And then we have the box. The box is the system. So we just see the boundaries, what's in the system, what's outside the system. And then we have sensors that are outside the software system. This is the home security. And then we can see uh, a list of scenarios, uh, things that the user should be able to do. So we have a use case. First one here, the user should be home owner, uh, identified type of user, should be able to arm, arm, beyond, uh, should be able to access the system via the internet, should be able to respond to the event, and should be able to do something on the encounter and error condition. And the system administrator would be configured sensors and training systems. So the new case right here. about what it actually means to be able to arm and disarm the system. Well, uh, after the great possibility for about but they typically look like that, and then we have a picture of the description of each use case. Okay, negotiation. We're not going to teach you negotiation. Just something that you will end up doing in uh, requirements engineering and in all software. You will have problems, you will have conflicts in needs, conflicts in requirements that you need to resolve. And uh, uh, there are courses you can take over those issues and they will teach you that much better than I am. So uh, let's settle with that it's a good idea to aim for reading conditions that are uh, good for all involved. 
so the wind conditions might not be uh, things they have said, but you might find some compromise that actually is doable under wind conditions for robust participants. But you will run into uh, conflicting requirements, conflicting needs, and you need to settle those uh, with the stakeholders that have the conflicting needs. Validation is very critical. Validation is finding out whether we have the right requirements and whether we have been able to capture it well enough. So here are a set of questions that we can use to help us validate. We cannot test requirements in the sense of running and executing. So validation consists of people reading through the requirements and reading through the models and discussing whether they are correct or not. So we do so-called reviews. So we should look at each requirement consistent with the overall objective. Uh, are, the, uh, are we building the right system? Are they defined at the proper level of abstraction or are they themselves? Are they open uh, It's everything we have listed to really necessary. Very, very often we, we want to classify the requirements. You remember from uh, when we talked about the increment development model, we typically classify them into masters, bonds, truths, whatever, but we have certain classes. So we have a set of requirements that we absolutely must for the system. Then we have things that would be very important. Then we have lots of things. So we, and we can do that we should be able to is each requirement founded and is it clear what the requirement uh, is it clear that everybody understands the same, same way? This is something that is very difficult to achieve, particularly when we use uh, natural language description requirements. So, and that is of course the reason that some people say that we should use formal languages or mathematical models and requirements in English, plain Finnish, whatever, uh, is typically not, can be interpreted in many ways. Okay. Does each requirement have attribution and source? Do we know who has stated the requirements? Are there conflicting requirements? Another uh, thing that the mathematical specification people would say that how if you do a mathematical, we can automatically check that. In most real-world cases, we don't have mathematical models, so we need to find the conflicting requirements by reading through the set of requirements. The chief requirement section how we actually this. This is where we might, we are unsure, we might want to do this. Is this requirement tested? Meaning, is there some way we can know whether we have implemented uh, the right way or not? And then at the high level, does it seem like the requirements model reflects the information, function, and behavior of the system that we should build? Uh, are the requirements partitioned? Uh, we typically need that we have just very, very long. For example, according to different users or different parts of the system. And finally, uh, we might use some uh, predefined requirements patterns to simplify the model. Any questions about the